Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Youthscape podcast with me, Rachel Gardner, and my friend, Martin Saunders, who is no longer alone in being the only presenter of this podcast who is signed up to Patreon. Martin, I have signed up to Patreon. Gosh, yeah. You made a meal of it as well. I did. I needed a lot of help to kind of work out which buttons to click. And I was nearly giving £100 a month to you. So I was like, stuff that. Yeah, but we. we, £1 a month. You signed up. Yes. To be a patron at patreon.com forward slash youthscape and then immediately immediately i got we, content we recorded some content yes that is just for patreon subscribers so i can watch that it's exciting so Very i just exciting. thought i need after what how many episodes have we done together a few hundred ever couple i just felt that that was that was really good so if you want to be the next patreon member sign up while while you're listening to this and get in touch well, can I give you a uh, a Youthscape podcast presenter exclusive? Yes. Which is that my daughter yesterday heard we were doing this. She's <gasps> she's thirteen, she's so she's awesome. an actual young person. Yes. And if you can hear this rustling, she baked banana muffins. Did she? Yeah. For she us? baked banana muffins, and she said, "Please take three for your friends." So here's one for Amy. I'm just giving that to Amy there, <laughs> three for your my friend, friends. and one for you, and then. Thank you, Ollie. Ollie no, you get one as well. Thank you so much. But I'm going to throw yours. I love I'm it. Slightly when... resentful that I didn't know Ollie was coming, so I didn't bring four. <laughs> oh dear, past right. progression. I can That's feel right. it. I can feel the vibe. Just describe it to me. Tell me it's good. I'm smelling it. No, it I smells beautiful. It. it is. It is a. It's a perfect little um, banana muffin because it has that nice kind of glossy, sugary top. It's but then it's cooked all the way through. What My do you call that nodule on the top of a muffin? I think you call it a it's 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 what you amy you bake don't you amy's a massive baker oh she's eating (laughs) i wouldn't say i'm a massive baker that's a bit rude (laughs) (laughs) no but you do bake a lot Uh, yeah i bake so what do you call that i've never heard of the expression nodule no it's not a nodule it's like a peak (laughs) yeah that's just where it's risen on the yeah but it's only right in the middle yeah Basically, we need to say to Martin that your daughter has made the best banana cakes ever. Yeah. They That's what you great. want to hear. That's what parents want to hear, isn't great. it? They smell great. They're amazing. My, just do I a ha- taste test. Yeah, yeah, I have a nine-year-old oh, who... you're going <laughs> to taste it? Delicious. Oh, good. My Thank ni- you, Naomi. My na- nine-year-old um, loves baking and she loves making slime and she loves combining the two. Oh, no. So I never know when she says, Mummy, taste this. Oh, genuinely. Wow. I have to check. Can I just check edible ingredients have got into this? Because there are times I'm checking things. I'm like, taste a bit like PVA glue. Yeah, it is PVA glue. Oh, <laughs> okay. Amy's sharing her muffin She's with sharing me. the cake. It That's is nice. beautiful. It is beautiful. So, Martin, as I pop oh, this in my mouth. I'm sure and, not, um, you should, now you're going to have to go and talk. No, the worst thing is when people on radio start eating. Oh, yeah, and that awful. the sound is disgusting. Oh, disgusting. I can't listen to baking shows because of it because they're like oh a lovely bit of lemon drizzle and they all stuff it in their face and start talking about it i'm like Ugh. you're gonna keep going yeah i yeah i can't hear it so um we're very excited well welcome to the second episode of this podcast season uh if you've joined us 
at this point in our lives. Uh, we're very excited to be back together with actual microphones, all that kind of stuff. Um, and this season, we are stepping back and flying at a high altitude and traveling all around the world via the power of Squadcast and Zoom to listen to the voices and the experiences and stories of amazing youth workers all around the world who are doing youth ministry in contexts that might feel similar to ours and might feel literally a world apart. And we have said... That's a better title. A world apart. That's much better. Oh, there we go. Amy didn't like uh, Youthscape, the podcast goes global. (laughs) I think each week it'd be a different name, I think. A world apart. That's the name of the season. A world apart together. Love it. A world apart together. So um, we've said that we are not going alphabetically, but all evidence points to the contrary. Yeah. Because our first episode was Austria. Martin, where are we going today? Uh, Well, actually, I was just thinking about this. This is actually backwards alphabetically, isn't it? Because Australia <gasps> is before Austria in, the, in the alphabet. That's true. So we're not very strict. So, but we are going to Australia, oh. which I think is one of the few countries left on earth where you're still allowed to do a comedy accent. <laughs> I mean, do you know that Australian people listening to this are not now offended by I the think accent. they're going, that's not an Australian accent, <laughs> you weirdo. You're um, a Hugh Grant Brit. I, I try. You do try. So we'll get that out of our system now before we actually chat to our lovely friend. I think from it's Australia. okay. I'll tell you why it's okay. Why? It, my generation, neighbours. your generation, were yeah. raised on Australian soap operas. We were. Home away and neighbours. And every All my morals single day. What was weird was, because they were every day, weren't every they? Every day. British, British soap operas, they could manage to get one or two episodes out a week. But the Australians, they rolled out five a week. 5.25 p.m. Do you know what was also really exciting about Home and Away and Neighbours is you knew that um, they were about a year ahead in Australia. Yes. So we weren't we, we weren't quite caught up. So you could sometimes because it was before the internet. Yes. And you'd sometimes see in the tabloids you'd see sort of rumors that somebody was going to die Don't or me. get have an affair. Or they got or famous something. as a singer, but yes. they're still on Home and Away and Neighbors in British time. Do you ever see like do you ever watch American TV and someone from Neighbors pops up and it's the most exciting thing in the world? Yes. Like Jim. Yes. Jim pops up in every He's done well. every American drama series. Yeah. And he's got a gritty face, isn't he? He has got a gritty why. face. But there are other people like that who just... Holly Valance popped up in Prison Break. Do you remember Holly that? Holly Valance, yes. All, all those sorts of things. They're, they're a gift to the world, aren't Message they? Message us uh, with your favourite Neighbours star popping up in another yeah. thing later but in I th- life. But I think it's because, like, you come home from school and then 5.25pm, your mum's cooking your tea, you're sat yeah. on a skanky sofa, and then you go to Home and Away World, yeah. which is the sun is always shining in summer and bay the, the drama the drama is drama but it's just a different level of drama and i just i was i was addicted actually not from the point that i could actually tell you names because i'm so i am severely dyslexic and cannot remember names of things mm. so i have no trivia knowledge but i watched every episode as a teenager and you know, that was my second reality it's bizarre so i i have got some fun facts go on about australia but none of them about soap operas because that's a bit obvious so i've gone for slightly different fun facts about australia are you well, ready? I, I am ready. Um, yeah, okay. I'm excited. <laughs> Very exciting. So apparently the Australian Alps get more snow than the Austrian Alps. The Australian Alps? Yes, I've Googled it. It's, it's real. What, just because it says it on the internet? <laughs> that could be like in a children's story that no, you found. No, I think it's true. I think it's true. The Australian Extensive Alps? Re- yeah, have got more snow on them than the Austrian Alps. 
I have, and I have never heard of Australian Alps. Don't worry about it. We're going to get our on. fact-checking team on this. <laughs> Let's just move on. It's not liable. No, no, no one's going to come after me on this one. 90% of Australians live where? On the coast. Oh, well, don't blame them. There we go. So they're not on the Alps. They're on the coast. So that's why we don't know about the Alps. So is Australia, if you look to Australia, is it actually like a giant banana muffin? <laughs> Where in the middle, there's so just this nodule that is... Reaching into the sky. But everyone's having a barbecue on the beach. They don't care. Uh, An Australian man tried to sell New Zealand on eBay. Sorry, no, no. (laughs) That was a good one. That's brilliant. But producer Amy has just shown me the Wikipedia page. And if it's on Wikipedia, I'm starting to believe it. There are Australian Alps. There we go. Thank you, And there's snow covered. Sorry. Get back to your New New Zealand thing. I mean, we know there's beef between Australia and New Zealand, just like North and South London. Surely there's there's lamb between Australia (laughs) and New Zealand. And lamb. But an Australian man tried to sell New Zealand on eBay. I want to know how far he got along on that line. I want to know. Who was he selling to? I don't know, but someone was willing to buy it. That's great. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, Aboriginal culture is the oldest culture in the world. Wow. It's like extraordinary. That is amazing. And... I love this one. All you kangaroo-loving fans out there. <laughs> knew there was going to be a kangaroo one. There are over 60 types of kangaroo. Really? I mean, I mean, I have to say, I recently took my kids to a zoo when the zoos opened, and I'm fascinated by how kangaroos reproduce. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it now. What? But basically, it's R- like why a little do you do, tiny you embryo. Do this. But an embryo goes into the pouch and, and then literally grows. So we think it's a fully formed little roo. Yeah. In that, No, that, that pouch seals up. And the embryo and the little kangaroo. I mean, it's extraordinarily amazing. I'm loving it. And then, are you ready, everybody? This is a final fact, fun fact from Australia. Vegemite originates in Australia. I grew up on Vegemite. That's not a fun fact. That's that's just obvious. Is it? Yeah, everyone knows that. Did everybody know that? Yeah, that's like saying, I don't know, London is in England. Well, I had no idea that Vegemite, my favourite... Uh, spread on my bread as a kid came from Australia. I'm, so I was eating Vegemite, watching Home and Away, and never knew the connection. I am staggered by that. <laughs> I'm also a bit traumatised by the idea that you might walk up to a kangaroo and, you know, put your hand in its mouth <laughs> it's little, and pull, it's out, a little jelly. pull out an embryo. It's a jelly, jelly kangaroo. It, but it a jelly kangaroo. In. Basically, it crawls. It crawls in. I mean, this is a beautiful what? God thing. This is a creo God thing. It crawls in. So the little em- the fertilised embryo knows to crawl up into the pouch. Amy's turning, giving us a gross face. But I think that's a amazing that's like go life go little embryo kangaroo you get up in that pouch i mean it's beautiful wow it's extraordinary. I, I think there's you know <laughs> i wonder whether our guests bless them will listen back to the episodes <laughs> on which they're featured I, don't well, I wonder whether we're offering enough respect <laughs> well, I, to the country I'm genuinely of australia well, Can I, I, i'll tell you my experience <laughs> of australia so i grew I'm up eating in, a muffin now. you eat the muffin i am I, um, I grew up in the 1990s as a fan of cricket and um, and basically, I've got a good friend who played for uh, at a very high level in Australia. Played for Australia A, and he he enjoys talking about this period. And but basically, for like fifteen years, we just got pummeled by Australia. And you know, we we had significantly more people in England than Australia. <laughs> um, and yet, you know, at cricket, which is this game we invented, remember, mm. we just got stuffed year after year after year. And it was like going back to the school bully like day after day and saying please can i have some more <laughs> which i don't know why we didn't just stop playing them i know it was awful why didn't we stop it, playing i was traumatized by it and i and when now when i think about australia i can't help but think about 
the hell that was inflicted upon me for 15 years so as when a you, teenage when cricket you fan. So when you preempted that by saying you're not sure if we're showing enough respect to Australia. Well, I'm showing respect to them there. <laughs> they, they used to be really good at cricket. Oh, is he? Oh, he's done it now, isn't he? They used to be brilliant at it. I can hear an aeroplane going overhead. Probably that's picked up on the on the recording. So I think we need to get on our plane and get across to Australia and get talking to our guests. I love that you did that segue. That's brilliant. To I'm stop a youth me abusing worker. Australia. I'm a youth worker. That's what I do. Um, so this is uh, this is Steve from Australia who's going to uh, introduce himself. But this is our this is our very respectful trip to Australia. Well, I'm pleased to be joined by Steve, Steve Dixon, who is on the line from Australia. Yeah, come on. Steve, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are. Uh, about myself and where I am, I'm, I'm married, I've got kids. Uh, I've been involved in youth ministry now for uh, more than 20 years. Um, uh, I serve a, a, a Baptist family of churches uh, across um, one of the states in, in Australia. I'm based just south of Sydney. Um, and I, hey, I, I love what I do, um, and I love to be investing and speaking to the lives of those who have leadership roles in the context of young people. Fantastic, fantastic. And so, can you give us a sort of um, a very broad picture of kind of how youth ministry is in in Australia right now? I mean, it's a very hard question, but sort of that as as kind of spiritual health check for Australian young people right now. Yeah, spiritual health is a great question. Um, so. Obviously, my primary lens is through those that I work with uh, on the most regular basis. Um, but then I have a breadth of engagement that goes beyond that. So I'll answer the question in two parts. From those I know, there's a sense of, to some extent, relief um, that Australia is where it is uh, based on what we've, what we've experienced over the last you know, 12 to 18 months when it comes to COVID. Um, but I think what we, the way that we speak about that in, in our world is that really what COVID has done is that it's actually highlighted what was already happening under the surface in many churches or in many youth ministries. Um, so the health check is really that we find ourselves in a place where youth ministry is often siloed in the church, that it's disconnected from what's going on with the rest of the congregation uh, it's often under-resourced, in particular under-resourced when it comes to the skills and knowledge of volunteers on the ground. So those who have a desire to be a part of what God wants to do in and through the lives of young people. And yet, apart from the desire, there can be a real struggle with in, indeed trying to or attempting to be effective in that. Um, so there's a lack of resource there. Um, and then there's a real question, I think, um, across the board about how does the church continue to speak of Jesus and live of Jesus and at the same time be in tune with the broader story of what's going on in the lives of young people, especially those who have no touch point or interaction with the church. So that's probably a bit of a Baptist kind of picture, um, both where I am, but more broadly across the country. I think that outside of that, then in Australia, you have some really strong networks of churches and denominations. And in those places, uh, youth ministry is thriving. Uh, young people are gathering together. There's a heart to pursue the things of God and to um, invite others uh, to be a part of those things. Uh, except when you get outside of those larger areas where you've got healthy and thriving churches, um, youth ministry can really struggle. 
Um, how do we be? How do we function? How do we not just take care of what we have, but actually be a part of God's mission? So it can be a real struggle when you get outside the large churches or um, the metropolitan areas where you have a dominant group of people um, and therefore that allows you to do a whole range of things that is not possible in more rural uh, uh, locations. He talks about, um, Steve, how sort of this past 12 to 18 months has revealed what's already been there in terms of young people's spiritual health in Australia. As you guys are emerging from this, what, what are you seeing as the, maybe the new fresh ways that uh, evangelism is taking place, maybe peer-to-peer or how churches are reaching young people and discipling? Are there any new sort of trends or things that are happening that are, that are exciting you? Uh, yes, very much so. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to call them trends just yet. It's probably a bit too soon, to be honest, where we are. Um, but I, I think what's there's this renewed sense of um, young people aren't just the future of the church, they're the present of the church um, in the sense uh, that the voice of young people is got a greater focus in the life of churches uh, around the country, even a sense of wanting the voice of young people. I think that'd be the first thing that comes to mind. And I think then, then there's just a broad picture that young people are willing to ask questions and potentially just make comments about what they see in the world. Like that's terrible. That's, that's perplexing. That's, that, that's traumatic. That's confusing. That's, that's awful. Um, and so I think what happens then is that the church, if it is well positioned and well, um, well informed, is able to listen well to what's going on in the lives of young people and then able to provide opportunities for them to explore further. So I don't, I don't have um, trends at this point in time when it comes to the youth ministry landscape in Australia, but I know in the broad sense what you have is um, a renewed desire or even at least uh, an openness to spirituality in Australia, which young people epitomise. Um, and therefore, they're, they're often the ones that are um, speaking about the things which are either politically um, problematic or politically uh, difficult to navigate in the adult world. They're just able to either speak out what they see or to ask questions where others might be more silent. Um, so I think based on that, there's a real level of excitement. What, what does this mean now? What, what could be in front of us? We like, to, we like to think that we know all about Australian culture because we were just talking about this before we, we started recording, but yeah. we, we obviously, Rachel and I both grew up on Neighbours and Home and Away. Right. So, right. so we we know everything about Australia already. So I probably don't need I to see, ask I ask see. this. Question. Yes, you don't have to even ask the question. <laughs> don't need to ask the question. So we have this guy. I'm sure you get this from British people all the time. I'm sorry, but um, but what are some of the? So assuming we don't really understand the complexities of Australian youth culture, what are some of the sort of unique challenges that you think uh, are presented? You know, facing young people or presented in trying to help young people oh, wow. encounter yeah, Jesus. Yeah, great questions. Yeah, so some of the stereotypes ring true of Australians. So um, casual, laid back, um, focused on you know the outdoors, sport uh, obviously is a key factor there, and that's those stereotypes. Stereotypes still ring true, absolutely. Under the surface, though, uh, what's what's the lay of the land here? 
Um, you've got significant cultural diversity in Australia, and that's only growing. Now, I know that's going to be impacted by COVID and the fact that uh, there have been decisions made around overseas travel and migration and all those kind of things. But you've got significant diversity. So often what ends up not being shown on television shows um, is the ethnic diversity. And so within that, then you obviously have um, a value set and a, uh, a worldview and a spirituality that is then therefore quite diverse. Um, and young people love that in Australia. Like it's a well I, I'm friends with, I, I, I go around to my friend's house who is very different to me, not just in terms of their, um, you know, in terms of just their skin color, uh, but far more around, well, their, their mum, their dad, um, um, grew up in another another part of the world, and that's just normal for them. So you've got cultural diversity. Um, one of the pieces then that is um, related to that is that you often um, in Australia, especially among young people, have that sense of um, disparity when it comes to wealth. Um, and so you can find uh, that within the Australian context, and I'm sure this is true in other parts of the world as well, um, that you have this sense of young people growing up with what they perceive as being normal until they're having those significant interactions with people who are their peer but have a diff different background, different family context um, and so forth. And then they start to realise that their version of normality is not potentially what other per another person, another young person has grown up with. So you've got uh, a, real uh, a real divide when it comes to... Um, uh, monetary wealth but the one that probably stands out to me above all of those things and this probably speaks into that topic of struggle uh, we're seeing increased rates of uh, mental health around young people um, in particular when it comes to issues of anxiety um, and depression and youth suicide um, and therefore we see great need great pain uh, as well as a place for the church um, to provide some aspect of a way forward for young people. Um, and they're obviously the things that don't necessarily hit the, you know, the, the headlines uh, when it comes to global news, um, especially given what else is going on around the place. Uh, but they're the things that jump out to me as I reflect on my own culture. And that last one uh, on mental health, that, that I mean, a lot of what you said there rings true with the British context as well. There's a, a, enormous similarities. Right. It's a global youth culture, isn't it, in some ways? Um, but I, I yeah. just wondered whether is the church and is youth ministry finding a response to that, those issues around mental health? Because we're seeing a lot of that here. A lot of youth ministry is really beginning to focus first and foremost on mental health. Is that happening there? Uh, yes and no. Um, so in some places we have um, expressions of youth ministry which are still very much focused around we gather young people, uh, we teach them the Bible, and we get to know them over time. Um, so that, that mode of operating, that we have a group of young people pre-existing, often very church families. Um, we gather them together for their own um, specific programs and events and activities. Uh, we speak the Bible, we teach the Bible, and then over time we get to know them. And we might then get a bit more of an insight into what's really going on for them um, at home or at school and the like. Um, we have other youth ministries which are very much focused on what is the need, um, what is the need, what is the concern, what is the struggle. They pay attention to research that is done um, both um, in the Australian context as well as more broadly and say we want to start at that point 
and we will reach the need, uh, we will meet the need, and as part of meeting that need, we will also speak of uh, theological matters uh, which then intersect with um, God's desire, God's heart, God's hope, God's promises, um, not just for young people, but more broadly. So I think right now is probably, there's probably a, a bit of a divide, um, honestly, when it comes to how youth ministries go about this. I'm grateful that our media in Australia and our government in Australia is giving attention and resources to issues of youth mental health. But I wouldn't say that from the government or from the media's perspective, they see the church as being part of the solution, not the solution, but part of the solution. I don't think they see that. But some churches are very much focused on how do we not only speak into the lives of young people on these topics and speak of, well, here is what you can do. Here is God's perspective. Here is how we can be a part of uh, a solution but also speaking to the lives of parents. And I think in my interactions with church leaders uh, and youth pastors in particular, those that are seeking to have a voice, not simply into the lives of a young person, but into the lives of their family context, that when they can get that, that's what's bearing much fruit for the kingdom. So maybe just a spin off of the end of that then, Steve, just to, to close with, um, what are the things that you're seeing and saying, wow, that, that's a real sign of hope. That's a real sign of life from your sort of vantage point of uh, overseeing the Baptist youth ministry domination. Like what, what is encouraging you as you look at youth ministry in Australia? Oh, a, a couple of things. Um, firstly, that there is still emphasis being placed um, by churches um, on the next generations. I, I celebrate that. And I, you know, the classic statement around, around standing on the shoulders of giants, those who have gone before me, those who have pioneered the way, um, I, I benefit that in the role that I have uh, with our Baptist churches in my part of Australia, because I'm not trying to twist somebody's arm or convince them of a need to invest in the next generation. That's not the battle that I face. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that and I'm excited about that. Um, I'm also excited that there's a shift that's being that taking place, which is um, moving the dial away just from the paid professional into more of a, a priesthood of all believers or a everybody can play or a we've all got a role here within the body. So it's broadening the scope. And I'm grateful for those who have done research and provided resourcing along those lines so that the whole church is involved in what's going on in the lives of the young people, um, no matter if it's a small group or a large group of young people. So there's a real shift that's taking place there. And I think the third part, and there's a number of factors um, around this, but the third part for me is around equipping young people to be women of faith and men of faith wherever they find themselves. That's a shift from you come to our program, you come to our events, you come to our activities and we'll will take charge of the leadership. I think the shift that's taking place um, over the last number of years is how do we make sure that young women and young men are able to live their faith wherever they find themselves, at home, in their schools, online, in their sporting clubs, that it's no longer just the formalities and the paid people in the church. It's actually the young people themselves who are carrying the good news of Jesus.
Wow. I mean, uh, you won't know any of this, but there's a certain youth festival launching in the UK next summer, which which basically that could have been the promo video for. So that, that was fantastic. <laughs> that was so uh, I'll tell you more about that sometime. Um, yeah, Please Steve, do. Please Steve, do. it's been good to talk to you. Really I, good. I, I, I realised we talked about this off air, but I often get mistaken for Australian. I don't know. There's something about my no, voice. do you? That people Seriously? often say, are you Australian? He's an expat. Yeah, he's <laughs> an expat for sure. I, I've been hiding it all these times. Well, Actually, we, we were we were having such fun, like learning about Australia before you came on air, Steve. And we and I love that 90 percent of Australians live near the coast. So maybe it's because you have a very athletic physique, Martin. Shock horror. So rude. So rude. <laughs> wow. And Steve and I didn't even talk about cricket. There we go. We kept it completely. Oh, we, can. So we could if you'd like to. But oh, that's fine. <laughs> it was a it was a very difficult experience for me growing up as a teenager. One of the hardest things about being a teenager was the Australian cricket team, because it was like it was just like having an extra yes. school bully in my life. <laughs> yes, I I, I won't apologise because I don't feel I should. <gasps> but where, <laughs> where does that come from in the Australian psyche? Like, right, oh, don't so just listen, beat someone, crush them I into the in ground. England, like, can I let's say five years ago, I'll make yeah. up a timeline, but I was in England and we went to an Ashes game. I kid you not. Oh, yeah. It's the only time I've been to the cricket in England. And it wasn't the events of the 90s. Like this was when England were very much, if not on par, a step above. Yeah. And they were ahead in the game. Like, and we were one of like, I don't know, there might've been four of us in there who were Australians and 15,000 poms, right? Now the game goes on. And the clouds start rolling in, literally. And Australia might have had, uh, who knows, you know, maybe 50 runs on the board. And the people around us are like, we're going to lose. We're going to lose this game. <laughs> All the Brits have this doomsday yeah. approach. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like going, are you joking? Like, And so that gave us an insight into British yeah, culture. Absolutely. Right? Because this sense of like, and, and more particularly the British press, like, it could go wrong. It's definitely going to go wrong. <laughs> the Brits right. are going to lose. The yeah. Australian perspective is the complete opposite. The sun's out. There's n we're no hope in this game, but we're, we're going to win for sure. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll take this. So yeah. there you go. We there's, need a bit of that. insight on the ground in the UK. Oh, you know, that is perfectly. That sums up our two cultures. It so does. Well. I it love does. That. Steve, it's been so fun to meet you. Yes. I, th I think there'll be more oh, yeah. of this. Yes. This good. We want to get to meet you more. Now, I, I knew we, we said we'd be respectful. Yes. And we ha I feel we have been up to this yeah. point, or certainly for a little while. Can we just go back to the whole Australian soap opera thing? <gasps> yes, let's because, do it. Because I, it's just one of those things in the back of my mind, which I've suddenly... I know everybody listening to this is going to be of different ages. There'll be some that are the ripe old age of early 40s, like you and I. Um, and uh, sorry to bring that up. <laughs> and, uh, and and there'll be others who have got a much more sort of next generation experience of, of yes, neighbours. Yeah. Home and Away, is it still going? Oh, I have no idea. I don't we know. We don't know. But, but anyway. I bet it is. I just wondered, like, in the back of your mind, like, what are the memories from those Australian soap operas? You, you devoted so much of your life to... No to watching them. What do you remember? Like, are there any key scenes yeah, well, or I, stories? I've been racking my brains. I, 
anything involving Jim Robinson. So he was the real patriarch, yeah, wasn't Jim. he? So he was generally in the background somewhere. Was he fishing? He was always fishing somewhere. Yes. And, you know... He probably wasn't some... fishing. He was probably off filming American dramas. Oh, he was, and then coming back. Um, but they always happened in a cafe. And I think growing up in the 19... As a teenager in the 1990s, we didn't have cafe culture like we do now. So I was just fascinated by this idea oh, yeah. that, all, here we go, all generations hung out together in the cafes. It was very intergenerational, actually, wasn't yes. it? You'd have lots of scenes where young adults and older people or young people would be chatting in a way that kind of contemporary sort of teenage dramas, adults adults are completely off the scene. Yeah. Whereas in Home and Away and Neighbours, there's, there de- there's a definite linking with all those relationships. There was a lot of youth work in, uh, in Home a, and Away. There was, actually. Because you had... Lots um, of advice given. Yeah, and lots of... There was lots of fostering, wasn't there? Because it was, was all based oh, around yes. a foster home. Tom it and Pippa. Yes. It's all coming back. Yes. So they were fostering a lot of children. Yes. And then there were some other kind of adults in their lives as well. Do you remember Alf? Yes, Alf, my goodness. He was in the background somewhere, the friendly yes. neighbour. Did he run the shop or something? I think he did, yeah. And then and so that was that was home and away. And then neighbours, I'm trying not to confuse Ramsey the two. Street, yeah. Ramsey Street. Well, it's, it's guy my, my generation is the guy Pierce and um, Oh, Guy that, Pierce. That generation, isn't it? Yeah. Was Robert Downey Jr. in it as well? No, but no. Maybe you're saying that because Guy Pearce ended up in an Iron Man film. Ah, that's that could be. I'm, I'm linking it all. But yeah, the in, the relationships. Was, but I do. I think I remember thinking. I, I definitely got from it re- when you are in a relationship, you're very miserable because that's kind oh, yeah. of what happened. There'd be lots of kind of like longing, wants to be in a relationship. They'd get in a relationship and then they'd be really miserable. And there'd be lots of conversations about that and about going to school. I remember the school uniform skirts being very short. I remember being quite shocked actually. About how uniforms are worn. So, I, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but my memory of it was that there weren't really sexual relationships between teenagers. No, in, in no. those, except when Emotional. someone got pregnant. Yeah. So it was the only time. Yeah. That was a bit of a warning, wasn't it? Yes. It's like if you ever did it, yes, you would end up but pregnant you don't know immediately. How you you would get to the point where you do that? There's no there's no sense of what that would be. No. Um, but lots of emotions, lots of emotional kind of, maybe that was the kind of the beginning of the kind of the gobbledygook around an emotional kind of like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like young people just having to sort of talk endlessly around mm. how they feel or don't feel. And yeah, so not much happened except probably quite stereotypical. So in the foster family, a foster kid goes off the rails and they'd be like yeah. driving a car really fast in the, Bobby Fisher. In the cul-de-sac. Remember Bobby <laughs> Fisher? Bobby Fisher was always off the rails. In fact, right, okay, this is really bad because I've not done my research and I can't remember his name, but I did, I did bump into a Neighbours actor. No. In a bar in London. <gasps> did you? It was a gig. It was me and my friend Andrea Boxall. Big yes. shout out to you, Andrea. We went to a Bowden gig. Bowden then. We went to a gig and it was, who was it? Delirious? I can't who, no, no, it wasn't a Christian. It wasn't a Christian thing. Anyway, this guy was at the bar and it was quite quiet and he... It was one of those classic Martin where he played like I I felt like I grew up with him because he was a teenage boy. Right. Um, oh, I'm gonna remember his name at some point. He's been in a few other things and he's always played a really nice character, but he was horrible in real life. Was he? Yeah. <gasps> Cause I just like, you're from neighbours, aren't you? And I watched it. I mean, I probably was a bit starstruck, yeah. but he was just so dismissive. And I thought, I'm not chatting you up. I just wanted to say, oh, you're from neighbours. And it to- I was like, yeah. oh no. I feel like my neighbours and home and away but existence has crumbled now. If I can just defend unknown you Aussie do defend actor, him. Defend I him. imagine that the the introductory words "you're from neighbours" mm. are the are the words you don't want to hear <laughs> on a night out. Like the the one thing you run to the other side of the planet to get away from. Yes, and that's you're what still it comes to this concert. Some woman walks yeah. up to you and says, "You're from neighbours." Neighbours, like a dagger in the heart, a reminder you'll never change, you'll never be yeah. better. <laughs> 
you'll never get into real TV. I do appreciate all of that. But he could have been like, yeah, I was. Thanks. Who was it? I'm going to have to Google him. I'm going to have to Google Blonde hair. Not the one who was dated in House. the dark. Yes, the guy from House. Oh, my goodness. Yes, him. It was him. Well, he did do okay. Yes, he did do okay. Oh, that's fine. Oh, so I he could like have been nicer, nice. couldn't he? He oh. could have been nicer. And and fair enough. I mean, you know, that's fine. I caught him off, off guard and he's probably, he probably had a thousand people that night saying that. But, I, you know, I was like, oh, that, you could have been nicer What did he me. say? And now I'm not going to do the accent. You want me Ooh, to do the accent. So I saw what you did there. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do any accents you know, apart from my own. We're North not allowed to do any more of this episode no. on, on Neighbours. So <laughs> we do need to tell you about something exciting. It's really good what resource. Is, I've this got is it here. brand new. This is a Youthscape brand podcast new. exclusive. We know that young people more than anything need to have big conversations, the biggest conversations going. We also know they love the traditional games like Jenga. Games like that. Games like Jenga. That like we have, we all have a pack of Jenga like stuck in the back of the or, youth Or office. another game or like that. Or other games using bricks. Yes. But interestingly, imagine if you could turn those sort of traditional games into fantastic youth resources that actually allow a group of young people to have deep and meaningful conversations in that moment. We've created Youthscape Bricks. We've created loads of stickers that you can stick on and peel off, brightly coloured, that fit really neatly onto that sort of size of brick. Yes. A Jenga size brick. I mean, youth workers are incredibly creative. There's probably lots of people listening to this saying, well, I've already done that. I've used post-it notes and stuck questions on bricks, which is incredible. What we've done at Youthscape is kind of made your life a bit easier. Yeah. We've created, I mean, there's loads of them. There's loads of questions that you can stick on and peel off and stick somewhere else. But it's a great opportunity for having these deep and meaningful conversations with young people mm. when you're playing a game. Well, that's well, probably it for another edition of the Youthscape podcast. <laughs> we've been uh, Rachel and Martin. Uh, it's been nice to spend some time with you. Uh, and we will see you yes. next time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>